to 24. And I pray that as God's word is read, as it is shared today, that it would be that we are coming to him with open hearts to hear what he specifically wants to share with each one of us. You know, this message is, I think, going to be an encouragement to some people. You know, it's not one that you're going to walk away from and feel like, boy, I've I'm, I'm really got something wrong in my life. But it's something that if you're, if you're listening to what's being shared, you're going to be blessed. If you're struggling with um, feeling like you're not adequate, feeling like you're not forgiven, feeling like things like that, then you're going to go away a little bit more confident. So I encourage you, if you feel ever discouraged coming before God, today's a message that I would really encourage you to listen to. So we're all familiar with this phrase, follow your heart. Anybody ever hear that phrase before? Uh, maybe you've heard that, maybe you've said that phrase. You know, that phrase is used all over the place. It's used from making a simple decision in life. I really don't know what to choose. I'm going to follow my heart. Uh, you can find it in greeting cards. Follow your heart. I'm sure that graduation speeches that went off all around the country, people were saying things like, follow your heart. But it's following your heart such a good idea. You know, I, I, what I think of as following your heart is pursuing what I want, no matter the odds, or what anybody else thinks. So at first glance, it sounds like a good thing. You've got to be able to choose what you want. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. But if I take it a, a, a step farther, it seems to be telling me that it doesn't matter who it impacts or how it affects anybody else as long as I'm happy. So it's following my heart is such a good idea. I want to tell you three short stories of people who have followed the heart and where it led them. The first takes place in a little uh, retirement town called Bayview, Idaho. And this was some years ago. There was a gal who was, uh, she was on the, the worship team. Her husband was an elder or a deacon. Uh, she was involved in women's ministry. And while she was on this, this uh, worship team, another guy joined the team and persuaded her, you know what would be a good idea? Why don't you leave your husband? Why don't you come with me and we're going to go and make music for the Lord? And the last words that she told him is, if you love me, you will let me go. A uh, second story was a guy that I knew. Uh, I was not a bold person at that point, so I didn't say anything. And I don't think he actually did this, but his goal, or what, his, what he was contemplating doing, was disowning his son to be adopted by somebody else who might be able to lead him to the Lord. He desperately wanted his son to know the Lord. He couldn't do that, so he thought, if I put him in someone else's family, maybe that will happen. Uh, the third story, uh, 20 years ago, there was a, a missionary couple, or this, this young medical couple that wanted to go be doctors in, a, in a overseas. They just got married, they're excited, they love each other, and, and he's not done with medical school. Before you know it, a baby's on the way. And they decide, you know what, a baby right now is really inconvenient. And, uh, but we're, we're Christians, we want to be Godly, so uh, what can we do so that the whole world doesn't know uh, what we're going to do? So it, he says, you know what we're going to do? I'm going to follow the directions, medical books, and I'm going to do an abortion at home on my wife. And she was in favor of this, at least enough to go through with this. And he succeeded. He killed the baby, but he also killed his wife. So do you think following your heart is such a good idea? Why was it that these people decided that these... I'm going to go make music for the Lord, but first I've got to leave my husband. I really want my kid to be saved, and I think someone else can do a better job. 
or I think I'm a missionary, I'm going to go be a missionary, but I can't, it's going to take me too long to get there if I'm raising a kid at the same time. Why did these people decide such stupid things? Because they were following their heart. Something inside of them told them this was a good idea. And so they decided they were going to do it. If I followed my heart, my life would look a lot different. And I imagine your life would look a lot different either. Uh, one thing that would be different is I wouldn't be here. If I followed my heart, I wouldn't be here. Because you know what I found out when I got here? It's a lot harder to put a message together every single week. Ugh. I found out that people don't always like what I say. People don't always stay awake while I talk. You know, if I was following my heart, I would say, goodbye, it's not worth it. If I was following my heart, I wouldn't have this beautiful girl as my wife. I would have married her in the first place, but I wouldn't still be with her because our first couple of years were pretty rough. And you know, if I'm going to be married for, to somebody for a lifetime, you know what? I want to make sure that it, I, I want to, if, if it's going to be for a whole life, why do I want to be miserable my whole life being married to somebody? But because uh, I did not follow my heart, we stayed together. And now I have my favorite picture of the two of us. It's upstairs on the church computer. It's upstairs in a picture. And it's up here so you guys can see this picture. If I was going to follow my heart, I would be broke. Because there are so many things out there that say, hey, Josh, you want a bigger truck? You see people with these big pickups and you got this weenie little blue Ford Ranger. I would be broke if I followed my heart for buying all sorts of things. And I'm sure your life would be different. And today we're, we're going we're to be looking at uh, having a heart checkup. And not just taking what I think my heart is telling me and saying, I'm going to go do that. I'm going to see what I'm supposed to follow instead of following my heart so that I'm not making bad decisions and rash decisions one moment after the other. But first, let's pray and ask God's blessing again. God, I thank you for your word. And God, I feel like this message could be really encouraging uh, to somebody who needs to realize that they're truly forgiven, that they're truly saved, that they're truly doing what you've called them to do, and to listen to you instead of listening to what the heart is telling them. I just pray that they would uh, be able to recognize that today. God, these are words that are supposed to change your life. And I, you, you're working on me, and you've done things in the past with your words, and I just ask that you would speak through me now to clearly present your word. Anything I say that isn't applicable or isn't going to be come out right, please help me not to say those words so that we hear exactly from you what you want us to hear. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So having a heart checkup when you're just a, a live a human being is a good idea. Uh, I did a little research and found out that after the age of 20, you should have some kind of regular heart checkup. I, I never did that. I'm 41 years old, and I had two heart checkups within two months. I had EKGs because of my gallbladder. They wanted to make sure I wasn't having a heart attack. They hooked me up to all these certain kind of machines. If I would have thought about it, I would have given you a picture of what that looks like. Uh, but you have heart checkups to find out what's going on inside because you look at your heart you can't look at your heart right it's underneath the skin it's behind your ribs and there's things that are going on that you don't know that your your arteries are clogging that your heart's going to have an attack and so from time to time it's good to get your heart checkup but it's we're not talking about your physical heart checkup i mean if you haven't done that recently it might be a good idea but i'm here to talk about your spiritual heart checkup it's important to check out how your spiritual heart is actually doing. Because your spiritual heart can lead you astray. 
Your spiritual heart can make you think things that are not really true, but your spiritual heart can be changed to be confident in coming before God. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. First of all, the self-condemning heart. And this is the idea of self-condemning is that I don't necessarily have to feel the way that I'm feeling, but something inside of me keeps telling me that I, I should feel this way. 1 John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. It says, this, is, this then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. So first of all is that my heart is going to condemn me at times when I come before God, when I come into his presence, into his church, into time of prayer with him, my heart can be wrongly condemning me when it, when it shouldn't be. You think about your heart, obviously there's the blood pumping muscle. You know, that has nothing to do with your spiritual heart. Uh, a good definition of, a, of what your heart is, um, it is the place where our emotions and desires begin. It is that which drives the will of man towards action. Hard to put in words, but we all understand. It's kind of like, it's like your conscience. It's the part of you that chooses to do something. And that can deceive you into making you think things that are not really true. Let me give you, maybe these examples will help. Have you ever committed a sin and confessed it before God, only to turn around and feel guilty about it again? Uh, that is your heart condemning you. It's not right, but that's what it's doing. Have you ever prayed for salvation, only to feel like, I'm not really sure I'm really saved? That's your heart deceiving you. Have you ever tried to do something for God to do the best that you can only to feel like God was not pleased with it? That is your heart misleading you. And I imagine that some of you out there are feeling this way today. You feel like, boy, I'm not, I don't know, you know, God can really forgive the certain sin that I did in the past. I'm not even really sure that I'm saved. I go through big times of doubt in my life. Or, you know, I do things for the Lord, but I'm not really feeling like this is adequate, like it measures up. And I think something like this is going on in the lives of the people that John is talking to. He doesn't say specifically what that, that, what that problem is, but he's talking about their heart is condemning them when they come into the presence of God. And it says, whenever our hearts condemn us. If we, go by, if we make decisions based off of our emotions or how we're feeling, our hearts are going to get us into a lot of trouble. If you're doing the right thing, if you really have confessed your sin, but you don't really feel like it, you're going to run around with doubt and guilt and stay away from me, God, because of how I'm feeling. But the, the opposite is also true. If I do bad things, but I don't feel bad about it, I'm going to continue doing it. A lot of people have, they, they go through cycles of sin. You know, I can lie. I stay out of trouble. It doesn't bother me, so it must not be wrong. Right? People can make excuses uh, for doing the wrong things because there's something inside of them that doesn't say, Josh, you should not be doing that. So when we make our decisions and we make uh, choices in life based off of only what our heart is telling us, we are going to be in trouble. That's why it's important to check out your heart. Uh, I imagine a verse comes to mind for some of you, Jeremiah 17, 9. Right? Anybody, anybody kind of think about that? It says, um, this is a burst your heart bubble. You know, if you're, if you're going to follow your heart, this is a reason not to. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure or desperately wicked. Who can understand it? That's what your heart is. Your heart is deceitful. Your heart is untrustworthy. 
uh, your heart's going to lead you astray. At times, your heart is going to say what is wrong is right, and what is wrong is what is right is wrong. And anyone is capable of being misled by their deceiving heart. You have the faithful and active church member who says, I'm going to divorce my husband so that I can make music for the Lord. The guy who wants to be a medical doctor who says, I'm going to kill my baby so that I can save people. And you have the person who says, I'm going to give up my son so that somebody else can save him. Right? And that's, and that's any one of us. We don't have to be those three examples. We can be people who have been living in a church their whole life or who just walked into the church for the first time. Anybody's heart can be led astray if they, if they follow what their heart says instead of con connecting with what God wants you to know. So my heart can lead me astray. That's sad news. That's kind of bad news. But my heart can be changed. Verse 20, it says, um, it says, Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Verse 21 says, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, so obviously there can be a change from my heart condemning me to my heart not condemning me. I can go from a, a heart that's condemned going before the Lord like I really don't want to, to a heart that's confident that says, yes, I want to go before the Lord. I'm not ashamed. I'm happy to, to go before the Lord. And my heart can be, it can be changed. It can be persuaded. It can be convinced. It says my heart can be set at rest. It can be set at ease so that I feel comfortable in coming before the Lord. The opposite is to be condemned. My heart can find fault. It can accuse. It can, it can try to make me believe something that's not really true. And think about it this way. You have two kids who, who are going to come before their dad. We'll, we'll say Noah and Caleb, two boys, who are going to come we're going to come before dad and ask for something or request something. Well, son number one, whoever you want to pick on, uh, has, has been naughty lately. He's, he's come up and he's confessed and he's tried to make things right. But he's always got in the back of his mind, this is what I've done. I, I really let dad down the other day when I didn't listen to him. I, I've, I've screwed up enough times when I didn't listen to my mom. And how, if, he's, if he's carrying around all of that inside of him, and he wants to come ask me for, to go play at a friend's house. How is he going to want to come up to me? He's going to be scared. He's going to be worried. He's going to be like, really? Do I really want to go ask dad? No, I'll go ask mom, you know, because she's easier. But he's not going to want to come talk to me because he's got all this weight that he's carrying. Even though I, his dad says I've forgiven that and I've moved on, he's still carrying this around. He doesn't want to come. He's not going to come to dad with confidence. Son number two is the one who does everything right. He follows what his mom says. He, he mows the lawn like he's supposed to. Everything. How's he going to feel when he comes before dad? He's going to feel relaxed. He's going to feel confident. It's going to be easy. Even if he screwed up in the past, he's willing to set that aside because it's forgiven. He's willing to come to dad real easy and say, Hey, dad, can I have 10 bucks? Hey, dad, can I borrow the car? Hey, dad, can I go hang out at my friend's house with super duper ease? Now, which son do you want to be? Do you want to be son number one who's embarrassed and afraid to talk to dad? Or do you want to be son number two that's like, hey, I know I've screwed up. Dad's forgiven it. I'm happy to go. I hope you say, I want to be son number two who's happy to go see my dad. Because I know he loves me. I know that he's forgiven me. But which kind of son are you? We can all say we're son number two where I'm eager and excited to go talk to dad. But I know my, from experience in my own life that there's times where I have screwed up. 
And I can't be son number two, excited and confident, go talk to dad, because I'm son number one, hanging on to everything that I have done wrong, thinking, how can I go talk to God? Because of all these things that I've done. God already forgave me, but I'm carrying around this guilt on my own. I am having a self-condemned heart. I don't have to be like that. I don't have to stay there. I can be forgiven and I can move on. So how do I do this? I want my life to be changed from being a condemned, from having a condemned heart to having an uncondemned heart. What is it that I need to do? That's what we're going to spend the rest of our sermon looking at. How do I change from son number one to son number two? Verses 21 to 24. Uh, first thing, if you want to change your heart from being that condemned whoop pup to being the one who's confident in coming before God, the first thing you need to do is go to God. First John 3, 20 says, For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. You're carrying around all this guilt. God knows who you are uh, better than you know yourself. He knows what you've done in the past. He knows what you, you're doing right now, and he knows what you've done in the future. But he knows that it's forgiving. If, you, if you've done a project for the Lord, he knows that you did your best work for him. He, he, he sees it all, and he, he's greater than your heart. He's not going to be like, boy, Josh is right, his heart's condemning him. There must be something to that. He says, I already know Josh's heart. I know that he screwed up. I know that he has not made, uh, he's not perfect. But I, I look at Josh and see who he is uh, for what he really is. So go to God. Don't rely on yourself to get through this. Go to him. Well, how do I go to God? Well, right there, it's pretty obvious. Go to God in prayer. I'd say, you know what? God, this is how I'm feeling. I'm not feeling forgiven. I'm not feeling saved, God. I'm not feeling like you're accepting what I'm doing as, as being worthwhile or as being good enough. God already knows how you feel, and you go talk to him. Just in prayer, like anything else, go and talk to God and ask him for help. Show me that I'm forgiven. Show me that you're happy with my work. Show me that uh, I'm really saved. The second thing I would tell you to do when you take God at his word is to read his word. That's how God communicates to us is through what his word says. You're struggling to know if you're really saved. God's word tells you, Acts 16, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Take God at his word. He already told you that's what you have to do. And so you, you take him at it like, okay, God, you said that's what I got to do. That's what I'm doing. And so that I, so I have salvation. Uh, you're, you're struggling with feeling like I'm not really forgiving. Because I've done this this thousand many times. There, I, it was so big and so bad. First John 1 9. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Take him at his word. I've got this issue that I'm struggling with. Go and see what God's word says that he forgives you of that. And take him at it and say, okay, I'm dropping it, God. I'm letting it go. You're forgiving me. You're not hanging on to it. I'm not going to do it anymore. Uh, Jeremiah 17.10. This is one that uh, I felt like was really good for uh, if you're feeling like, you know what, I'm not sure God's really happy with the work that I'm doing for him. Uh, here's, I thought this was a great verse. Because it says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. God God knows your heart. I only have this much skill in my hands. 
I wish it could be more. I wish it could be better. I'm doing the best that I can. God says, I know, Josh. You're doing the best that you can, and I'm going to reward you for that. Take God at his word. If I'm struggling with salvation, if I'm struggling with forgiveness, if I'm struggling with feeling like God accepts my work for, for being the best that, I, that it can be. So if you want to change that part of your life, go to God. He's the only person who can change anything about you. Go to him. The second thing is to obey God's commands. 1 John chapter 3, verse 20 to 21. It says, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask. That's where we like to stop at. But he says, because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. The person who chooses to obey his father has confidence coming to dad because he's done everything that he's asked him to do. He's not trying to earn his dad's favor. He's not trying to please him to get what he wants. But he just knows that if he does what he's supposed to do, he feels good about it. Dad's happy. I feel happy. And he has confidence in coming to, to dad. Same way with God. If I'm obeying God, I'm going to be confident in coming to God to ask for whatever it is that I need, feel like I need to ask for. And what is it that he's asking us to do? What are these commands that he wants us to follow? Command number one, you find in verse 23a, and this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. The first thing that you've got to do if you want to change your heart from being a condemning heart to a confident heart is to make sure that you know Jesus as your Savior. Because there's no, God's not interested in hearing any other prayers that I, that I have. He's not interested in, if I don't know the Lord, he's not interested in, in asking for a good harvest. He's not interested in asking for a good grade. He's not interested in asking for help, right? He's interested in the prayer of the person who is unsaved, who says, I'm going, I need you, Jesus, as my Savior. So that's the first thing that you need to do. And I, hopefully everybody in here has done that. It's because it's the one thing that we all have in common that we need to do. Because we have all sinned, and because we've sinned, we cannot get to heaven. So we've got to believe, we've got to trust in the name of Jesus is Jesus Christ to have salvation. That's the first thing God wants from you. The second thing, act of obedience, is to love one another as he has commanded us. God loved us. He says we ought to love one another. And it's not just the specific command of, of just loving. We need to be obeying God's commands. And if we do, we're going to love others. If we're loving, loving other people, we're going to just naturally fulfill those commands. If I am loving God, I'm not going to love, or I'm not going to, or if I'm loving Darren, I'm not going to lie to Darren. Because I don't want, that's not a loving thing to do. And that's one of the commandments. Thou shalt not lie. I'm not going to steal something from Arlie. Because that is not love. I'm just going to naturally fulfill what God wants me to do. Otherwise, if I'm willing to love other people. It's kind of a succinct way, I think, of putting it. So, So obedience in action, that's what we're looking at here, is to make sure that we are loving others. I'm not trying to earn God's favor so that he gives me what I want, but it, I'm, getting, I'm getting confidence because I'm doing what he's asked me to do. And that's the way it works. If you're willing to be obedient to God, you're going to have confidence before God. But if you're disobeying God, you have no right to have confidence in coming before God. We talked, we're talking about a little bit about love. We talked about it last week a little bit about showing love, love in action. Uh, you know, what is beneficial to the person who needs it in a real and tangible way. 
You know, when you hear uh, through the grapevine that someone is struggling to make ends meet, and you give them a little financial assistance to make those ends meet, guess what you're showing? Love. You're showing a tangible love, right? You're not just saying, boy, good luck paying that bill. I'll pray for you. If you have the means to do it, you're going to be showing that love. Here, the answer for these next two questions is love. Just so you know. Uh, when you see someone carrying a large load and offer to help, what is that called? Love. When your neighbor asks for help with their project and you decide to go help them, what is that called? Love. It's just tangible, practical ways to meet somebody else's need. It's not just something that I say, but it's something that I'm willing to do. That I genuinely am demonstrating action. I don't have to know. I don't have to like them. But I look at them the way Jesus looks at them and says, okay. I can help so-and-so out because God loves me and he wants me to show that love to other people. So, the first two things. If you want to change your, 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 your condemning heart to a confident heart, is go to God. Spend time with him in prayer and, and make sure that, um, yeah, that you're spending time with him. And, and that you're trusting what his word says. And the second thing is make sure that you are obedient to what God is asking you to do. The third thing to do is to make sure that you are abiding in Him. It says those who obey His commands live in Him and He in them. And this is how we know that He lives in us. We know by the Spirit that He gave us. To abide is to remain, to dwell, to continue, to endure. It's a, it's a continuous side-by-side, all-the-time relationship. It's not just a one-day-a-week Sunday morning Christian. Um, it's not when I'm having problems. That's when I go to the Lord. It's a, it's a continuous, all-the-time relationship. And if you have a relationship with somebody all the time, you're going to have confidence in talking to them. But if you don't spend any time with somebody and you only go and say, Hey, Dad, I need money. Hey, Dad, can I do this? And that's all you get is when I need, need, need something. Guess what, I, guess what Dad's going to think? You're only coming to me when you want something. Right? God doesn't like that any more than we do. He wants that continuous relationship. And if you're, if you're walking a continuous relationship, you are going to have confidence when you come before God. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to be embarrassed. You can come before Him feeling confident. If you're going to, be, uh, if you're going to abide, you're going to remain in, in Jesus. It's in John 15, 5, it says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, uh, us as Christians, we like to bear fruit, right? A tree likes to bear fruit. An apple tree wants to produce apples. We as Christians want to feel like we are accomplishing something for the Lord. We want to see the results of our labor. But if, and if we're getting those results, how does, what's that do for you? It kind of spurs you on. It kind of encourages you that something's actually really happening when I'm trying to do this work. And, and it says, if you're abiding me, you're going to bear much fruit. And if I'm bearing much fruit, guess what I'm going to have when I come to, before God? I'm going to have confidence in God and approaching Him because I have this relationship with Him. I'm obeying Him. Things are actually happening when I'm trying to serve the Lord. It all works together to build confidence to come before God. And where does this confidence come from? It says... Uh, it comes from obedience. Obedience is really the key. Not to try to earn something from God, but because we are obeying, it says there in um, 
Verse 21, that you have confidence before God. And 22, that you receive from him anything you ask. Coming before God with confidence, but it's because of obedience. And that's the key. Now, when people think about obedience, they, they like to think about um, they like to think about God being giving them a blank check. All I got to do is just ask uh, when I when I'm, I'm going to get something because it looks right there. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask. Sounds like a blank check, doesn't it? If I took that verse by itself, that's what I would think. All I got to do is be confident and come before God and ask for something. And he's going to give it to me. You read the rest of scripture, you put it all together, and you find out that there's a little bit more to this. Um, 1 John 5.14 says, This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That same confidence of, of coming to him is that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So my heart's not condemning me. I have confidence before God, and I'm going to receive from him anything that I ask, as long as it's in accordance with his will. You know, last week in Sunday school, Steve made a comment that I, I, I don't know if I've heard it before, but I felt like it was really accurate. Um, and it was, we were talking about a little bit about this and about receiving from God things that we ask. And he said something to the effect of what, for, for doing what God's asked us to do. You know, if God's called me to... Um, this is an example. If, if God's called me to give money to somebody, and I don't have any money, but I want to, and I ask God to give me money to give because that's what he's asking me to do, then God's going to give me that money to give to that person. He's not going to ask you to do anything that he's not going to give you the ability to do. So it's not just a blank check, but he's going to give you what you need in order to accomplish what he's asked you to do. All that other babbling I just said, I hope it's that simple. He's going to give you what you ask for to accomplish what he wants you to do. That's if you're asking him according to his will, he's going to give it to you. He's going to give you those resources. So the world is going to tell you to follow your heart. And it's going to be tempting because everybody else thinks it's a good idea because I, I, don't, I could just do whatever I choose to do at a, at a spur of the moment kind of decision. But I hope you've been convinced today that following your heart is not a good idea. God does not want you to follow your heart. Your heart can mislead you. It can deceive you when God wants you to have confidence in, in approaching him. That I'm not, I'm not letting the things to get in the way that should not be getting into the way. And here's a quick recap. Uh, how to change your heart from a self-condemning heart to a confident heart is to go to God. It's in their bulletin, I believe, right here. It says... Um, no, I don't really have been. Okay, sorry. Go to God in prayer. Talk to God about how you're feeling and take God at his word. My, my heart does not have to condemn me. I need to obey God's word. I need to make sure, first of all, that I'm trusting Jesus as my Savior. And second, that that is living out in a practical way into other people's lives. And three is that I am abiding in him. And I guarantee you, those three things, you do those things and you will have confidence before uh, and coming to God like you've never had before. And if you're not feeling confident, you know why. And you know what to do about it. So I just encourage you. You want to get rid of that, that self-condemning heart? It's yours to get rid of. You know how to do it. You want that confidence in coming before God? You know exactly how to do it too. I can't change your heart. You can't change mine. Only God can. Give yourself a, a heart checkup, uh, an evaluation to see what, what you're hearing, what you're thinking. Is this really true? And God will help you determine what is right and how to do the right thing after that. That's true. Father God, I do thank you for your word.
it is good and it is important. God, it's, it can be such an encouragement to us in our lives, God, that we don't have to walk around in what we were in the past. God, that we have your forgiveness, that we have your salvation, that we have uh, your salvation moving forward, and we can have confidence in approaching you. God, I just pray for each one of us that we would just naturally want to know your word more, that we want to spend more time in prayer with you. God, that we wouldn't run around with doubts. And if we have these doubts that we should not have, that we turn to you to make them right. I thank you for your grace. Thank you for the ability to have a confident heart. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.